via the FHN network streaming on all major sites YouTube Facebook Twitter Twitch you want to find us you can find us I'm Jason Maslico and welcome to my co-host Ryan Drury how you doing today bud I'm doing well man we're excited for episode two we've got another great guest and uh, we've got plenty to uh, touch on obviously in the sports world yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. You know, we kicked things off with a bang last week with Biz Nasty, Paul Bissonnette, and we came back swinging for week two with uh, the real kipper, Nick Kiprios, 20 years, basically on, uh, uh, 21 years on, on Sportsnet, former, former Maple Leaf, Hartford Whaler, uh, New York Ranger, who we won a cup with. He's got a lot going on. His new book, Undrafted, was just, uh, just hit the shelves in October. And we're going to talk to him a little bit about that uh, Got a couple questions for him about his, uh, you know, his broadcasting days, his playing days. So it should be a good one. Now, hold on just a second here. I don't know if you did this on purpose, but he was also a Washington Capitol. Okay, <laughs> so so let's let's just acknowledge that he also played for the great Washington Capitals. Okay. They weren't, they weren't unreal back then, but they were pretty good. But yes, he was a capital as well. I had to sneak that in there. It might've been a purpose omission. Yeah. You're not sliding that by anybody. There's no way. Come on. Unbelievable. I'm actually, I'm actually surprised you don't have a whole lot more like really visible Washington gear behind you. I see the pots there. I see Ovi. Yeah, it like, well, a lot of my stuff, like I moved it recently and, uh, you know, a lot of it is cards and signed stuff that's like laying down. So I haven't really been able to purchase them up. There's a bunch of signed cards and rookie cards and everything that I have graded. You just can't really see it. There's some signed pucks, some signed pucks here, my Nick Backstrom puck, my Ovi puck that he signed for me live in front of my face, which was an all time great moment for me. And then of course, you know, I got my signed Gordy Howe played in the back. Got to give love to Gordy. And, uh, you know, yeah, I got a bunch of stuff here. It's just, you know, it's not super visible with the camera and everything, but trust me, it's there. I might even have a Nick Kiprios Washington Capitals card somewhere tucked away. I know I definitely do too somewhere, but before we go too far, want want to offer, uh, you know, our deepest condolences from everybody here at the FHN network for the late, great, uh, Alex Trebek. He was a Sudbury native from my hometown. Uh, would, I would have been remiss if I didn't bring it up and, and you know, wish the Trebek family uh, our deepest condolences as well as uh, the NHL lost the great Howie Meeker, four-time Stanley Cup champion, uh, one, of the, one of the greatest uh, hosts on Hockey Night in Canada that you ever would have heard. Uh, it was a tough, tough day yesterday for, for the hockey world and, uh, you know, with Alex being so tied in and being an ambassador to the NHL, uh, that, that, that was a tough one, but... Uh, you know, we wish him, wish the family all the best. 
Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. Yeah. Two rocks, two icons uh, in the Canadian broadcasting world and really the, the Western hemisphere. I mean, th- those two guys, particularly Alex Trebek, like he was massive, a huge celebrity. Everybody loved Jeopardy over 8,000 episodes. Like, are you kidding me? And he was still doing it when he was battling pancreatic cancer, which unfortunately took him from us at 80 years old. Um, but yeah, condolences to him and his family and all of his legion of fans out there. He was an all-time great and as was Howie Meeker you mentioned it four Stanley Cups all-time great Maple Leaf and uh you know somehow you know beyond being a great player let's remember this guy won a Calder Trophy in 1947 um beyond that he was an even more recognizable broadcaster I mean all the segments that he used to do on on Peter Puck with you know teaching kids the basics on Hockey Night in Canada back when my parents were kids um you know all the books that he put out hockey basics by Howie Meeker. I had a copy of it. I still have a copy of it in mint condition that my mom gave me. I mean, he was such a legend. Uh, and, and yeah, we, we lost two great ones yesterday for sure, Dark Guy. Peter Puck. Uh, is, isn't that a little bit uh, uh, out of your age demographic? It's out of my age. I know who Peter Puck is. Man. Come on here. Like I, I know who he is. Like I have his book. Like you know what I mean. It's uh, yeah. Peter Peter Puck's puzzles. Like all the little crosswords and everything. Like yeah. You know Peter Puck was off the air by the time I was born. I'm pretty sure. But uh, I'm aware of who he is. Well, I was I was happy to see uh, see Peter Puck make a make a comeback to the NHL there a few years back. I don't know how long it's been now, but. Uh... I've seen I've seen the the mascot costume out at, at a few different events, so it's great to have that back. But on a little bit more of a brighter note, I don't know what's going to happen to your 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 uh, Patriots tonight. If I was a betting man, I'd almost go and throw a couple bucks on uh, the Jets' first win of the year. But oh. the Bills are seven and two for the first time since 1993. So being a full fledged car carrying member of Bills Mafia, I have to you know bring it up. What's it like to see the Bills at the top of the AFC AFC East? For me, what's it like for me? Yes, uh, yes, being a Patriots fan. I mean, is this taking some adjustments, some getting used to? Um, not really. Like I think I kind of touched on it last week when we brought up football. Like I really don't care. I mean, the Patriots, I got so lucky. I jumped on the Patriots bandwagon because my uncle watched Ledsoe was the quarterback and Tom Brady was the fifth string quarterback on the practice squad. And I got blessed with watching all six championships. And I was of, you know, decent enough age where I remember every single one in detail. And they dominate, they lorded over the AFC East for my entire life, basically. So I'm really, honestly, what's it like for me? I'm I like I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you and all the other diehard Bills Mafia members that I've grown up around. There's tons of Bills fans in Southern Ontario. Um, there's tons of Patriots fans too. Um, but honestly, like, good for you. Like, I, I'm fired up for you. I I hope they win. I hope they win you a Super Bowl. I think Josh Allen can do it. Um, I don't know about this year, but. I think they can go far. Like, would it shock me if they ended up in the AFC championship game and got bounced by Pittsburgh? No. Um, honestly, it wouldn't shock me if they made the Super Bowl, even though they're a little inconsistent. But 
like, that's what it's like for me. Like I'm sure other Patriots fans in Boston probably don't feel the same way, but for me, um, honestly, like I'm happy for other people's success and I've gotten to enjoy plenty of it. I've been drinking from the championship fountain of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick for 20 years. Like it's someone else's turn, you know, it, good for you. I'm happy for you. I'm sure you're psyched. But your, your, your humbleness and all this has ruined what I went, where I wanted to go with this. Cause I knew I was going to get a history lesson. And I was going to say, what is this? Is this turning into a Habs podcast where we just talk about the past and how that it used to be? Don't, don't compare <laughs> me to that. That's not the same. Okay. The Patriots <laughs> won the Super Bowl two years ago. Okay. It wasn't 1993. Like the last time your bills were seven and two, you know, I was two years well, old. Your, your kindness and graciousness in defeat here has, has, has ruined that part of this for me. So, well, okay. Yeah. You, I, I'm sure you wanted, and I'm sure the viewers wanted me to come at this like a bitter, angry fan. I just, I'm just of the opinion that if you're a Patriots fan, like, don't tweet. Like, don't say anything this year. This, we deserve this. We had our turn. We yeah, had more yeah. than you, our turn. Like they say, uh, you, you need to be humble in victory and gracious in defeat. And, uh, yeah. The, the I mean, I don't know about defeat. Like, defeat is a strong word here. They have to win something first, Dark Guy. There's my little barb for you. Win something, and then you can really celebrate. But good for you. I, like, I, I'm happy for the Bills. They, that city deserves a winner so bad, like few other cities in that country. Buffalo fans of the Sabres, the Bills, like, they are so diehard and just – can't catch any cheese yeah it's yeah. it's sad really like please please bills just like win something because the sabers are way off oh absolutely and it's definitely it's definitely not going to be the sabers and the, the buffalo bisons have had some half decent teams there the chase farm team but that's true <laughs> yeah but yeah but you know what you said you said the one thing about the bills and and as a bleeding member of bill's mafia you know uh, you said about their inconsistency and and you know what it is it is a little bit of a baffling team when when you look at how they came out of the gate uh josh allen was was unstoppable for for the first four games there uh just running running teams over with the their offense uh defense was obviously solid you know maybe in the first couple games they didn't have a lot of tough tests and then they just had three games there where it was like yikes what's happening here this no longer looks like a championship caliber team and then they come up and drop 44 points on the Seahawks and and basically did whatever they wanted whenever they wanted all game and it's like it's it is a little bit of a confusing team you look at you look at all the money they spent to uh upgrade their defensive line uh and close some holes up there and uh you know you got you bring in you you give up a first round pick uh, to bring in Stefan Diggs and you know I want to see that game in, game out. You you can't have those three, four game stretches where, you know, it either you don't show up or you can't figure it out or you're getting out coached, whatever the case may be is because, you know, they have the weapons, they have the defense. It's just, you got to bring it every week. Yeah. So the thing with the thing with the bills is that a Josh Allen still has some learning to do in terms of game management and he, he do well to look at old tape of Tom Brady because he is the greatest clock manager of all time. Um, 
you know, that he just he makes decisions sometimes where he forces throws that he just doesn't need to, where he has an easier opportunity to gain five or six yards on a quick out, but he goes for the bomb 22, 23 yards down the field yeah. and forces it into a window when he's always kind of looking for that dynamite play. And like Tom Brady would do that. I mean, especially when he had guys like Randy Moss to throw to, you'd get that big dynamite play, but a lot of it was just inching down the field. It, Patriots drives in like those mid two thousands after they won the first three Super Bowls, they'd be like nine, sometimes 10 minutes long. They would just eat a whole quarter away with short little out routes, bang outside to Dion branch, bang six yards to Troy Brown on a button hook. You don't always need that big play. Stefan Diggs, like a million percent worth it. Like you make that deal every day of the week. And, and yesterday he was unbelievable to be fair the Seattle Seahawks pass defense is the worst in the NFL. But having said that 44, like you don't hang 44 without being really, really good. Um, I just think that as they continue to add to that attack, give Diggs some more support guys like Josh Brown can still offer more. I think um, you would like to see them upgrade their tight end um, to give them a little bit more options. And their rushing game is it's hit and miss as that continues to improve and Josh Allen continues to improve in his management of game situations, they're only going to get better. That's the, that's the scary thing for other AFC East teams and the great thing for fans like you. I think Buffalo is only going to keep doing this yeah. and going up and up because they already have – they've got the quarterback and that already sets you so far ahead of half of the NFL teams that don't have a good quarterback. Well, I mean, you, you look at the, you look at the run game right now and, and I, I think they're, they're there. You just, you just need a little more experience for, for Moss and Singletary, right? So, you know, yeah. Singletary, Singletary, you know, he looks to me like he's going to end up slotting back as more like your, your change of pace guy, maybe your, your third down guy, but you know, Zach Moss, he's, he's got that explosiveness. He can, he can cut on a dime. Like he looks like he's going to be, a potential superstar in the league. I just think, you know, it's his first year. He's rookie. You got to ease him in there. He had a little bit of injury problems, but uh, you know, so I, I'm, I'm happy there. You, you've got, you've got Brown and Beasley to uh, give a little support for, to, you know, take some heat off of uh, a guy like Stefan Diggs. And let's not kid yourself. You, you leave, you leave Beasley and, and John Brown alone to double team Diggs. You're going to get eaten up all game long. <laughs> so and when, you know, one of the biggest things I've seen, you know, from some people is saying, you gave up Jefferson to get Diggs. Well, here it is. Josh Allen needed a guy with a few years under his belt. He, you know, as good as Justin Jefferson is, as much as I think he's going to be a superstar, and, and I'd, I'd love in four or five years to have him on the Bills, right at this moment in time, Diggs was what we needed. Not, not a rookie fresh out of college. Yeah, I agree. And Jefferson's a really nice player, but Diggs is better than him right now. And I think he fits into Buffalo's offensive scheme a little bit better than Jefferson does, you know, currently with what Buffalo runs as compared to what he's doing in Minnesota. Like I, that's the thing too, that people have to remember, especially in the, in the NFL, the NFL is such an X's and O's league. There's so much to remember. There's so many pages of playbook 
to memorize. And obviously, you know, Sean McVay and his staff looked at him. They, look, they would have looked around the league at who could we target that we feel will fit this scheme that benefits not only Josh Allen, the guy who's going to run it and orchestrate it, but for the rest of the guys to get them open a little more. And obviously, they settled on Stefan Diggs, who is a very high-quality receiver, and he's fast. He can separate. He can create separation. And that was the biggest thing that they were lacking. Beasley is pretty quick. Like, those two guys, though, him and, and John Brown, they're not as fast as Stephon Diggs. No. Stephon Diggs can blow down the field and open up options. So, um, again, I, I think that they are definitely on the right track. Yeah, they've hit a couple road bumps in their two losses. I mean, they played good teams – I think that long-term they are in very, very good shape. Yeah. And I mean, I, you have to, you have to lose players to get to, you know, where you are, but could you imagine what this offense would look like if they still had a Sammy Watkins and a Robert Woods along with Stefan oh. Diggs? <laughs> yeah, it'd be pretty incredible. I mean, assuming that Sammy Watkins could stay healthy for more than two quarters at a time. Yeah, yeah sure. Well, that, that was his problem in Buffalo, right? It's his problem now. Um, but, but yeah, they're on the right track. And I think that they're going to be, you know, potentially setting themselves up for a long sustained period of success where they could be the best team in the division for a decade plus. I don't see any reason why not. What do you, now, what do you make, you know, and this isn't a, a shot at him because obviously his Super Bowls and resume speaks for itself, but uh what do you make of New Orleans' utter dominance of, of Tom Brady and, and the boys in Tampa there last night? And I guess it was a week one when they played as well. Yeah, that was, that was Tom Brady's worst loss of his entire career, including college, which is, like, incredible. Um, he just couldn't do nothing. I mean, to start that game, they had, uh, I believe it was five, four, four series for sure, but maybe five where it was three and outs. That's not Tom Brady-esque. Yeah. Again, it's, it's the quarterback in the NFL is the easiest guy to lay a loss on, especially when you don't put points up. But there was a lot of things just not going right. Let's remember, too, that, you know, arguably the most talented and deep receiving core in the NFL has not been healthy and playing together the entire year. Like Chris Godwin still has problems with his finger, I believe. Mike Evans has had a number of different injuries, one to his thigh, I believe, from earlier this year. Then you mix in Antonio Brown, who was a non-factor, and may maybe he can – become something obviously they're 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 hoping he can and then Gronk after two weeks of looking pretty good uh you know didn't factor in at all either and their running game stinks their running game stinks if Ronald Jones doesn't do anything which he didn't I mean they they have no other decent option with Leonard Fournette it, yeah. like running on you know old legs let's be honest he's taken a ton of punishment in his career um I, I don't know. I wouldn't make if like, if I'm a Tampa Bay fan, I'm not panicking, but I'm definitely like raising my eyebrow going, how good is this team? Like, is this team that high flying marauding offense that we see sometimes where they've got those three big receivers rolling Gronk included, and you can mix in play action and get Ronald Jones moving and shaking for 70, 80 yards, or are they a pop gun? which they certainly appeared to be in, in their losses where they can string together one or two decent drives and that's it. See, I, I don't know. For myself, I, I, I look at it maybe not as much as an on-field problem. Uh, I, we touched on this a little bit last week with, with uh, Gronkowski too. 
when you got the weapons, use them. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Watching, watching that game last night, you know, on and Antonio Brown, I get it. You want to ease him into the you want to ease him into the lineup. He's probably not all that familiar with, with the playbook yet. So you want you gotta be careful there. And there was a couple of routes where he ran where the time was off, he went the wrong way. But he also made a couple catches there, I believe, in the second quarter when he finally got his first catch that it was just like, okay, he's still Antonio Brown, even though he's been, you know, basically non-existent for the last couple of years due to all of his suspensions and problems and injuries. He made a couple of catches there where it's like, if I'm the offensive coordinator and I see that, and, and I'm the offensive coordinator, and I, I know Gronk's been just on fire lately. Put the ball in their hands. See what happens. Like to me, to me, if you're if you're trying to make those passes to to whoever else, and and the plays aren't happening, put the balls in the hands of the guys that that are actually performing that night. And you know what? Maybe if they go get Antonio Gibbs, uh, Antonio Brown, a little more involved in the game earlier, maybe it's a different outcome. Maybe if you get Gronk involved in the game a little bit earlier, it's a different outcome. I I. I think Tampa's biggest problem is play call and, and, and defensive recognition. That's what I think. I, I'm not going to disagree. And I mean, I think Byron Leftwich, who, to his credit, you know, when they look good, they look really, really good. And when they look bad, they look, you know, God awful. Uh, Byron Leftwich has, you know, been talked about as, you know, a potential future head coach. And, you know, he was a quarterback at the highest level. He played for the Jaguars back in the day. Yep. Was it an, an okay starting quarterback? But, um, yeah, I think that last night showed some cracks in his ability to switch up his game plan and, and manage what's actually happening instead of sticking to a laid out plan. The other thing, the last thing that I'll say about the Buccaneers that like is just so curious to me is what what is, like is OJ Howard, like is he just not, did he piss somebody off or something I like this guy know. was supposed to be like, he was such a talented guy, like talked about as being the next big tight end and had an okay rookie season, then had some injury problems. Like Gronk was running around out there, not making an impact last night. And you hardly, you never saw him. Like is OJ, how, like is his career just over or something? I, I don't know. They, they never involve him. And for all the talk about him being this talented guy and he's a big guy too that can move where where is he i i don't know uh yeah. there's obviously something going on behind the scenes in tampa that we're not privy to because they look com they looked completely out of sorts um yeah. last night for sure 100 percent. and yeah new orleans just had their way with him but just to change gears a little bit uh i'm really excited about this he's he's joining us a few minutes either he, early so he must be pretty excited about joining us too uh, ladies and gentlemen, please, please welcome to the Smoke Show, the one and only Nick Kiprios. I believe, I believe we have Kipper just connecting here. Yeah. He's got the new studio set up too. They're doing him and Doug or do, Doug McLean are doing that new podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And real, real it's Kipper, sharp. I mean, that's a solid, solid plug he's got going in the background there for sure. <laughs> it's a sharp looking studio, man. Let me tell you. And, uh, He's got that mic going too, dark guy. You got to get a hold of one of those, man. I have no comment on that. No comment. It was. It, 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 we're just gonna say it was supposed to be here for week one. 
Right. Yes. It's now it's week two. So you need to send an email to your shipping provider <laughs> and figure something out. Yeah. Jeff Bezos is letting us down. I, I think, I, I think our shipping provider is actually, uh, is actually watching the show stream live right now on, on YouTube. So, uh, yeah, they're probably, they're probably getting the message. <laughs> Just, we, we want your stuff. We, we want your stuff. We want to plug it here on, on the, on the smoke show with Dark guy and Drury. Come on, help, help us out here. Ah, it's not a big deal. We'll, we'll get Kipper on in a second here. Is there anything else you want to quickly touch on? Oh, look, here he is. Mr. Kiprio sitting down with us right now. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, well, I, it, I, this was probably my fault because I told him we were going to bring him on at seven thirty, So he probably just logged into the, uh, the zoom call. We, uh, we brought him in, but absolutely stoked to be having him uh, anytime i get to talk to uh a former nhl or let alone a former leaf uh i'm, I'm pretty happy about it so kipper yeah Kipper's, uh resume speaks for itself i certainly agree as uh, i mean he did an awful lot throughout his career including a stanley cup so that's not a big deal obviously uh we're really excited to dig into all that stuff with him kipper can you hear us I'm not sure if he has his mic on yet or not. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe maybe, well, well, maybe he he's still thinks seven thirty, and we've just got him logged in here. That's exactly it. Well, that's what it on is. that note, I'll we'll, I'll ask you real quickly. You know, uh, your 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 boy Alex Ovechkin. He's made he's made lots of uh, comments over the years about you know potentially ending his career in Russia, uh, and you know, pretty much confirmed all but confirmed that today with, a, 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 or yet today or yesterday was the interview on a, uh, on a Russian station where he basically said he's not sure, you know, how many years he has left in the NHL. But he, he's not, he's not leaving the NHL yet, but he's, he's going to finish his career uh, in, in Moscow Dynamo, the only other, you know, professional team he's ever played for. Uh, as a Caps fan, you know, what, what does it feel like to hear that? Um, I don't care. I, I mean, to put it bluntly, I, I, I don't care. Um, I've always known and, and felt, and I think most um, Caps fans that, you know, have been watching have, have known that that's something that he wants to do. It, it makes sense for him. Uh, he'll do something similar to what Pavel Datsuk did and, um, and go home and finish his career there. Whether he plays three maybe four he's 35 now maybe he plays three or four more years in the nhl he needs a new deal after this hopefully upcoming season um and then to go home and finish his career with the the team where it all started remember he played for their academy from being a little boy his dad was actually a professional soccer player with dinamo moscow back in the day before he ruined his knee like he's just got so much familial connection there um that i don't care i i would i i endorse it I, I think he should do that he's always been a guy that loves home cares so much about being russian representing russia and and cares a lot about where he came from and i have nothing but respect for that and if it's one year or two years whatever it is where he says listen guys i would like to go home now I, like you know to complain about that would be silly he's given this game and this league so much if he left tomorrow, I would say thank you for everything you've done. And uh, it would be sad, and it will be sad, but 
I endorse it. I, 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 I hope that he stays healthy enough to be able to achieve that. Yeah. What do you, what do you think that does for his chances of, of catching the great one? Well, it's probably not great, uh, you know, to, you know, pun intended. Um, and I mean, the amount of games he's already lost through no fault of his own to COVID-19 and of course, numerous lockouts um, has already damaged his chances. But if you want my honest opinion um, and, you know, people will, will fight me on this and, and that's what sports is all about debate. And, and you should fight me on it. If you're a big Gretzky fan, in my humble opinion, I think he already is the greatest goal scorer of all time based on the era he's played in. If you really want to get analytical and crunch the numbers and compare the goalies he's shooting on to the goalies, not to take anything away from Gretz and Hull and all the great goal scorers, Lemieux. Um, I think he's already the greatest goal scorer of all time. And in terms of, different eras and how much he's dominated goal scoring over his peers. No one else comes close. He oh, has well, led the, the NHL the are coming off <laughs> when, when we really dive into this, but uh, look, Kipper, it looks like you're almost ready to go. Yeah. How's it going boys? Uh, ladies there and gentlemen, this is the smoke show. He doesn't need any introduction. Nick Caprios. No, I just pretend I'm not even here. Just I love no, listening no. to you guys talking uh, Ov Gretzky. Well, what's uh, your what's your opinion on it? Well, it, it, I find it kind of uh, strange that he would come out with those comments about wanting to end his career in Russia and, and perhaps having a, a few good years left in the body without any reference towards you know, chasing the record. It's almost as if the record wasn't even there for him to even bother to even bring it up when he thought about ending his career in Russia. I've, I found that kind of strange that he would use it in the context that he did when everybody knows that he's going to need a good portion of four or five years uh, to come close to Wayne Gretzky. It, it's almost as if um, it wasn't even a thought in his mind when he spoke of wanting to end his career in Russia. Uh, you, you, you think that might be maybe a little bit way of a cop-out? No, no, I don't. I, I don't. Uh, um, I, I really believe it's probably just the opposite, that uh, records are nice. But I, I think he came to, um, to an understanding that, you know, he, he could have had – if he had his choice between breaking Wayne Gretzky's record or the Stanley Cup that he won in 2018, it's no contest, right? It's just those are numbers, and, and yes, we, they're, hold, they're held in high regard historically, but he figured it out. He, he figured out the, the secret to the Cadbury uh, chocolate bar is championships. That's well, how people you, judge you. Every time you saw him, you saw the pure adulation and judgment. Yes. Uh, I don't, I can't recall, you know, anybody else I've seen in, in recent years that, you know, everybody wants that cup. Everybody loves it. But he, he just, he reminded me of that, that feeling you had as a kid when you were playing ball hockey and you pretend to score that goal. Like every time you saw him, he just had that smile. And that, yeah. yeah, I think I, you're right, Kipper. I, I just, I, I don't think it's, it's the be all end all for him and it shouldn't be. And, now that uh, they made the coaching change in Washington and he's still got his core group there, but we'll see how the goaltending story shakes out with some Sanoff and, and Lundquist. 
but he's going to have another crack at, at, at winning a Stanley cup when the season uh, resumes, hopefully in January. And that's more important to him uh, and his family and, and his ties to Russia than chasing Wayne Gretzky's record. That's what I got out of that comment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, I mean, I he's agree. kind of hinted at it in the past too, that he would, he would like to go back to Russia. And when you, you know, you see what, what that so good did and uh, finishing his career there, it, it really doesn't come as a surprise. I just kind of figured he was going to go for that record and push for it. But Nick, before we end up talking, you know, about Ovi, you came in uh, through to our conversation here. You have been a very busy man uh, over the last, uh, last little while from launching Real Kipper at noon on the line movement uh, to, you know, your, uh, the company you have with your wife, uh, Anne-Marie, Little Buddha Cocktail, uh, now to your book, uh, Undrafted, that, that hit shelves, released by Simon & Schuster uh, back in October. I mean, yes. where, where do we even start with this? I, I, that's, a, that's a good question. Uh, it's your show, so <laughs> <laughs> you better know where to start. <laughs> well, but um, it's, it's been a challenge for all of us, um, and it, it may appear from wherever we're standing to look upon others and say it's a little it'll it's a little easier for you than it is for me but um i i can assure you we, we're in pretty much the same boat where you you have your challenges and you just decide whether you're gonna you're gonna sink or you're gonna swim and i'm paddling like hell right now in the last six eight months and you, you try your best you throw some things on the wall you see if it sticks if it falls find another wall and I think that's kind of the direction my book is with Undrafted because I, I did go through a lot of the similar scenarios. Never a pandemic, but I can assure you sometimes when my, when my teeth were broken and I'm sitting in the dentist chair with five root canals staring at me in the next seven, eight hours, it, at times it felt like a pandemic. Well, I got to tell you, you know, like you've, you've got the, the resume to go with it, you know, eight years in the NHL, Stanley Cup winner, uh, 21 years as a sports analyst, and what made you what made you want to add author uh, to that list of, of accolades? Well, a, a little bit of convincing. I wrote it with Perry Lefko. Uh, he used to uh, write write uh, sports with the Toronto uh, Sun Media, and now he's uh, he's writing books. He basically knocked on my door and said, "I think you got a great story, and uh, I think it should be told." And the one thing that Perry had going for him, he just finished a book with Eddie Olchuk. And of course his uh, uh, brave battle with cancer and overcoming it. And, you know, I mean, I felt that, uh, you know, if I had some, some knowledge, you know, in terms of much like Eddie, just finding a way to um, get through some, some tough times, I'll never compare what I've gone through to battling cancer i mean that i mean it's an incredible story for for eddie but the parallels are there where you know you're 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 looking at scenarios where it doesn't look very rosy at the time and, and you just have to find a way to persevere and and get through it and I, I know you guys know the league well enough to understand that not everybody retires under great terms and and rides off to the sunset we've still got players out there that struggle they struggle with depression, anxiety, some of them uh, with drugs and alcohol. And it's not always a, a, a picturesque uh, 
retirement uh, for for a lot of us ex-players. I just want the book to be known that we all go through our lumps. We all wish that we had great stories from the time we first put on a pair of skates and be the best player on every team that we've ever played for. That leads to a Hall of Fame uh, retirement, but it just doesn't happen. That's just a, a very small percentage of a very small percentage that get to have that picture-perfect career. My, my book's about the guy that found different ways to get to the same destination. Some guys have a, a nice paved road and, and others <laughs> have a dirt stoned road. Mine, mine was pretty much uh, as dusty as they came. Well, Nick, and, and that's curious to me almost because, you know, scouting on that note has evolved so much since the time that you made the league, but like you scored 62 goals in North Bay in 85, yeah. 86. Like you had an unbelievable season. You had a good year before that too. Um, you know, when the draft comes around that year and you're not hearing your name called, just take us back to that time. How difficult was that for you? And what inspired you to put it in another gear to become that undrafted guy that beat the odds? Well, it, it, uh, ignorance is bliss sometimes. And then other times it can hold you back and, you know, you hope that you're smart enough to, to know the difference on, on a couple occasions. And at least I knew that, uh, there wasn't much talk about me being drafted at all. I had not had an agent. I wasn't even approached by an agent. So th there's nobody that really believed after my first year in junior that, uh, I had pro potential. Um, so I, I backed off the draft. Uh, I waited the next day in the newspaper to to look at it, <laughs> reading that list going, I'm better than him. I'm better than him. I think I, <laughs> yeah. I'm tougher than him. How did he get drafted? I didn't. Uh, but, you know, I, I just decided I was going to come back the following year. And if I was going to be a late draft choice, which very seldom did 19-year-olds uh, get drafted, uh, it was almost as if if your window wasn't open on your first eligible chance of being drafted, they'd write you right off. Uh, and then lo and behold, I got a call, you know, uh, days after uh, the draft uh, by Bob Clark. I remember, and it's well documented in the book, sitting around uh, with my sister and my dad and uh, hot July weather, eating some watermelon. And my sister says, Bob Clark of the Philadelphia Flyers is on, on the phone. And I'm like, you know, that's a mean trick. <laughs> Stop pulling my leg. You know, I didn't get drafted. No, but uh, it was true. And now I'm in a position to go to a training camp as a free agent, a PTO. We didn't call them PTO back, back then. But we know how many guys now go on PTOs only to get uh, contracts after that. So... Uh, the scope is a lot wider. Uh, it was so narrow. They were so narrow-minded back then. Um, but certainly they've now understood, uh, understood that uh, not everybody's development happens at the same time. And, and there are such, a, su such things as late bloomers. And I, I was one because I started to score goals after that. And even though I, I left junior hockey with a goal scoring um, record and, um, label of, of being a, a sharpshooter uh, it doesn't happen it doesn't change to the pro level uh, for everybody and I scored 60 goals in junior hockey so what Graham Bonner scored 60 goals 
you know, for the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, Wayne Gruel, Sault Ste. Marie, uh, Don McLaren Belleville had 60 goals. Some of those guys never got a cup of coffee, let alone a contract, never even invited to a training camp. So just because you're a good goal scorer in junior doesn't mean you're going to be one in, in, in the NHL. I also battled a couple of injuries and I had to find a different way to uh, approach my game to, to play pro hockey. And, and that's when the transition happened from goal score and junior to role player, physical guy, tough guy, goon, whatever you want to label it. I was there for my teammates. Well, Kipper. So yeah, I mean your book, the undrafted, uh, basically, you know, the, the true underdog story. I've had some people, messaging me uh, on Twitter, uh, watching the live feed, asking, uh, is there anywhere they can pick up an autographed copy or are you going to be, uh, you got any tours coming up for the release of the book where they can yeah. come find you? Well, it's, it's tough because, um, you know, Simon Schuster, who, who uh, published my book, would usually have me in, in, in stores all across the city and all across the country, to be honest with you. We we're going to do the book tour uh, starting out east and working our way towards uh, BC, but we, we know what the temperature of the water is out there. It's, it's not, it's not pretty for any of us. And we got uh, a lot of challenges to, to overcome a pandemic. So uh, it, it is difficult in saying that, you know, I am in the, in, in uh, the Toronto area. I do find uh, myself uh, once in a while being uh, in, in the young Eglinton area, there is a, an Indigo chapters right on the corner there. I, I do go in there periodically sign my books. They put us a, a sticker on it uh, that says signed by the author. So if by chance you're, you're up around that area, uh, there's a good chance uh, you'll, you'll get an autographed uh, book. Oh, that's fantastic. So Gepper, you know, you came out, you came out last year uh, and you are actually a guest speaker uh, at a Collingwood Colts gala. Uh, it was great yes. seeing you there again. So yeah. I'm going to try not to, uh, I'm going to try to avoid asking you any, any questions about any stories you shared from us there, but you, you've once talked about, uh, you know, the difficulty of transitioning from, from player uh, to analyst and, and you're suddenly put in a position where, you know, you have to talk about some of your colleagues um, in perhaps, you know, uh, an, an un unobjective uh, format. You, you, you got to kind of say what your opinion is, uh, even though, you know, you know, they might not like, like it. And I remember a story about, uh, you talking about, uh, Mr. You know, the late, great, uh, Wade Belak and, and, and receiving a phone call, uh, moments after your caption was done. You, you want to tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah, sure. And this, and they can, they can talk to you all they want about, uh, coming out of uh, retirement or, or going into retirement, coming off the ice and, and being in a broadcast situation and, and, and saying how objective you have to be. And, you know, sometimes you got to see it not as a, as a friend or a former teammate or a guy that you like to have beers with or hit the links with, but you have to look at him in a way that uh, makes every, everybody feel like you're saying uh, what you're saying uh, from a, a sheer professional opinion and that's just not easily done I can assure you and I went through my lumps in the first couple of years and then uh and then I got into a scenario where uh Wade Belak had taken a couple of bad penalties uh we're, we're doing a leaf game and I said 
I'm going to go talk about Wade's penalties because I know what it's like to be in a third or fourth line role type of player. And if you do take a couple of bad penalties, you know, it's, it's a lot easier for Matt Sundin to take two penalties than it is Nick Kiprios or Wade Belak to go back to the bench after a couple of bad penalties. But sure enough, I, I did my segment. We threw it a commercial break and within, you know, 10 seconds, uh, my cell phone rings and, uh, it's Ty Domi calling me from the dressing room. And he's like, why are you shitting all over Wade? And I'm like, uh, excuse me, Ty, is that you? You're calling me from the dressing room. Are you kidding me right now? He's like, yeah. Start saying nice things about Wade. I'm like, hey, happy to have a conversation with you. But right now, you need to focus on the third period. Yeah. <laughs> you can be getting the gloves on ready to go. And, and, and make sure Pat Quinn doesn't see you talking to me right now. Yeah. Oh, but No kidding. I, you know, the important thing there is the consistency of a Ty Domi to protect his teammates forever. And that's what you love about him. And, uh, you know, it's... It's funny uh, to talk about it. I don't think it'll ever happen today to any analysts on air. <laughs> I think it was a one-off. But uh, the other thing I said is thanks for watching. You were always pretty good with the one-liners and uh, never, never afraid to, you know, even laugh at yourself. I, I even go back to the, uh, uh, one of my favorite Nick Kiprios stories, um, your first, your first year in the league when uh, you got chirped by Mario Lemieux. Yeah. And uh, at the end, all you cared was how Mario Lemieux knew your name. I'm like, somebody grab a picture while you're at it, <laughs> while we're side by side. Uh, you know, it's interesting, too, because uh, I, I played with uh, Mario's brother, Elaine, in Hershey, Pennsylvania. So, you know, we, we get reports every once in a while out of Pittsburgh from Elaine. And I think Mario... Uh, kind of knew that I was in Hershey with his brother at the time. So uh, Mario was never short of a, a, a good chirp every once in a while. But, uh, you know, whether it's Mario or Wayne or Mark Messier in, in the heyday, those guys, uh, after I retired, uh, gave me some of the best exclusive one-on-one -on -one interviews. And uh, I'm so grateful uh, for their generosity and what they still do today for uh, us ex-players. And the NHL alumni, we know Glenn Healy's doing a great job as executive director, and he's got his challenges. But those guys have stepped up from the moment uh, they entered the league and now, you know, retired for, for quite a while. That, that doesn't change with those guys. Uh, they're, they're amazing people. Yeah, they're still doing so much for former players. I had uh, the opportunity to talk to Heels on another show that I'm on a while ago, and he was just so candid about, you know, the work and how, how much they care about that brotherhood of guys that played in the league. And it doesn't matter if, you know, you're a superstar or a fourth liner. They care about everybody, which is great. You, you bring up Mark Messier, and I, I wanted to ask you this, Kipper, when I knew we were going to have you on. I was really excited. Um, 
we can see it in the background there, the 1994 Stanley Cup champion program. You got to do an awful lot of cool things in your career. Uh, probably that tops the list. Uh, you were part of, I would say, one of the most joyous Stanley Cup celebrations of all time. We all know the story. 54 years of heartbreak for the New York Rangers, a proud franchise. Um, you know, the rival fans would always chant 1940 at the players, and then it was over in 1994, finally a sigh of relief for the city. You got to be a part of that group. Um, Jason's beloved Maple Leafs are creeping up on 54 here. They're at 53 now. Yeah. And if they don't get it done this season, which we fingers crossed we get a season, they'll hit that 54. Take us back to that time. What was it like to be in New York, to win that Stanley Cup, to experience that with the fans after years of heartbreak? And what will it be like if the Leafs can finally do it? Yeah, and it's a big part of my book as well, uh, just in terms of going from the, the outhouse to the penthouse <laughs> with the Hartford Whalers to, uh, to New York. Uh, the moment I arrived in New York, uh, I tell a story about uh, walking the streets of, uh, I think, Fifth Avenue at the time and getting pulled over, uh, a squad car pulling over, and I'm like, oh, my God, the city's unbelievable, you know? this everything you heard about new york city is true i'm gonna be arrested any second and it was just a cop to come out and shake my hand and say welcome to the new york rangers um the one thing that you feel right away is uh the inheritance of all those um painful moments uh in the past of of coming up short either missing the playoffs like the rangers the year they did before or a, a crushing uh, seven-game series loss. And you feel it right away. And the beauty of being on a, an original six team, not only do you feel it from the person uh, that you're, you're speaking to, but you know over the course of, you know, looking at a broader picture, it's, it's generational. It's just not, you know, it's just not the, the granddad. It's the son and it's the grandchild. And they all feel the same thing. You could be nine years old, but that nine-year-old feels like he's been around for 40 of those years that they haven't won. So as a player, you feel that right away. And, you know, for, for, for Jason, you know, same thing, um, you know, with the Toronto Maple Leafs, it's you, you, you inherit, you know, those years of disappointment. And that's, you know, that's part of the celebration as well. And it's all the, it's a timing thing, but, you know, we all felt like we were just there, you know, to, to get the job done for 1994. It wasn't about 95 or 96. It wasn't, to, it wasn't about building something. It wasn't about a group of young kids coming together. Like, you know, you hope the, the Mitch Marners of the world and Austin Matthews are, it was about, no, we're here to win. Now you look even our, at our black aces and guys that have played a lot more in different areas uh, of the league. Like, Len Healy was a good goalie, a starter in, in, in the island. Eddie Olchuk uh, could still score 40, 50 points. Uh, I came off a 17-goal season in Hartford. And, yeah, we're, we're insurance policies, but what are you an insurance policy for? Winning a Stanley Cup in New York that then won 54 years. Might take that trade off for one year and, and benefit it from, from it. And Absolutely. Well, I, I was able to do that. And – you know, for, for, for Leaf fans, it's no different right now. They're starving generation to generation. They're starving. 
you know, what would happen if the Leafs won a cup in, in Toronto? I, I suppose it would break off around Bloor Street and fall into Lake Ontario. That's, uh, <laughs> that's how I envision it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at you look at the turnout and the support, you know, the Raptors had with their NBA championship. I, I, I got to say, multiply that by five. Like, well, there's there's no question that, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't just be. And, and I can tell you from from traveling as a Toronto Maple Leaf that it just it wouldn't just be about. Uh, uh, about Toronto. And the Raptors, in many ways, uh, it, it was it was Toronto probably right up until about a week before anybody really thought that they were going to win a championship. And it was amazing how many people they picked up in the process of, of the country. All of a sudden, you know, people in Alberta or Saskatchewan uh, learned about basketball or cheering for the Raptors. And, and now they are truly I think Canada's basketball team but up until that it was just Toronto uh, it was just you know the greater Toronto area for the Raptors um now you look at the Leafs and you go as, as a Leaf traveling we know when we go into Calgary Edmonton Vancouver that there's a good chance that you know 40 50 percent of the building will be Leaf fans um I I envision it a national you know scenario um and it would be Toronto would be the ultimate one. And even though the, the Montreal Canadiens haven't won since 1993, uh, there's still a lot of people that can tell that story. I don't think there's too many around now that can tell many stories about the Leafs in, in the 60s. So I think it would be huge, not only just for Toronto, but Canada in general to have the Toronto Maple Leafs back as champions. I think that would be a, a, a cool, cool thing. I'll tell you one story that didn't make the book uh, because the Rangers in many ways were like the Leafs uh, to, to a lesser degree. Uh, but when we traveled, you know, we, we, we took 50, 60% uh, would end up in, in Long Island cheering for the Rangers. It would be like a home game. We go to Florida, same thing, you know, large, large Ranger following all over the country. And, when they presented us our rings at the Waldorf Astoria, uh, I ended up being in, in, in the lobby for just a, a split second. And, uh, and two guys come in and they, they, they look like shit, to be quite honest with you. They, they look like they've been through a car wash and their hair was all over the place. They were disheveled. And I'm like, you know, they were, first of all, they were just, they knew me. They they were thrilled to be in there, and they're just like, uh, like "You guys seriously been partying?" And they're like, "No, we just drove in from California." <laughs> we're like, <laughs> they just they drove into California just to get close to the Stanley Cup, <laughs> and uh, there was security all over the place. And I said, "All right, get in the elevator. You're going upstairs. And I, we're gonna we're gonna meet the Stanley Cup together." Wow. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I've I've talked to so many people, you know, Leaf fans across the nation uh, over the last couple of years since since my uh, scenario of going viral as a Leafs fan and everything. And, and people are telling me they're driving the Leafs win a cup. They're coming from Newfoundland. They're coming from Calgary. Yeah. They're coming from Edmonton. So you're you're right on the money there, Nick. It's gonna be, it's gonna. There's so many Leaf fans across the nation that yeah. this is, yeah, when and as happens, players, it's gonna happen. When it happens, it's gonna be big. And as players. 
we, we do that. Uh, we fantasize. And I did it when I got traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's like, how many guys failed? And, you know, we kind of sat around every once in a while and we did the same thing with the Rangers. How many failed? But now you're in an opportunity to do something that so many others uh, didn't, couldn't get the job done. And what would it be like? I want to be a part of that. I want to feel that. I want to carry that the rest of my life. And you sit there and you envision what it would be like to win your last game as a Toronto Maple Leaf. And that's, that's what keeps the, the fire going, uh, stoked. And you just hope timing's everything in life. It was for me in 1994. Well, Kipper, I know you were talking yeah. about this on, uh, on The Real Kipper at Noon on the line movement with Panger the other day. But uh, since we got you on the smoke show on the FHN Network, how much closer do you think, do you think the Leafs are with what they've brought in this summer in, in Thornton and Brody, uh, Wayne Simmons, or do you think they are even closer? I think they've got enough goal scoring, uh, and they've had it for the last few years, but the issue has always been on the blue line. So uh, what Brody brings remains to be seen. I think uh, for the most part, they aren't big and heavy enough, and that, that's a question in itself. So, you know, when I, when I look at uh, the last three champions, Washington, St. Louis, you know, and, and now, you know, we watch Tampa Bay and the common denominator is they're just hard to play against. They're big. They, they come at you in waves and they can, they can lean on you as, as, as well as anybody. And that's just never been the blueprint for the Leafs, um, you know, under Kyle Dubas. And they have publicly said that they wanted to, to be a harder team to play against. Uh, you know, Wayne Simmons, if he's healthy and if he can regain what he did a few years ago, um, is a guy that, that can do that. But we haven't seen it the last couple of years, and we certainly haven't seen it on his last three teams. He's gone from, you know, costing Nashville a first rounder and then ending up uh, kind of, you know, secondary type of guy in New Jersey. I know he signed the 5 million in New Jersey, but now it's like, you know, you're taking a chance on him that he could regain his, and it's not necessarily a, a sure bet. And then outside of that, you know, love Joe Thornton and what he could bring into a dressing room, but the game isn't one in the dressing room. I don't know in terms of what he's going to be able to contribute and, and when we're talking about four rounds, when we're talking about two months playing every other day, I don't know what his, his knees are capable of giving. So outside of that, I, I'm not, I, I think they're, they're, Wayne Simmons could maybe make them marginally tougher, but from a team perspective, I, I don't see enough heaviness in their game to compete right now against Tampa, Washington, you know, uh, Pittsburgh, I, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I don't have much faith in Pittsburgh moving forward every year um, under, under that, that, um, that nucleus. But Leafs, Leafs will score. Leafs will be in it. Uh, they should make the playoffs again. But four rounds, I'm not sure. Yeah, there are a lot of question marks for sure, Kipper. And, you know, we dug into them a lot as well last week with, with Biz, with Paul Bissonette. And, you know, same, same type of thing. They, they certainly upgraded their toughness. 
is it enough? And can their star guys that take up a majority of the ice time just bring a little bit of extra edge to their game? I mean, I don't expect to see William Nylander and Austin Matthews railroading people through the wall, but just that extra bit of, you know, you see, you know, this year with guys like Point, Kucherov, yeah. like they weren't leveling people. They didn't have to. They had No, but they play they hard and they go, they go yes. into hard traffic areas and they win the puck battles that they need to. Um, and, and they're relentless on it, you know, and, and points a superstar right now. He is, um, he, he is, you know, he's, he's another version of Steve Eiserman. Um, and you know, they play hard and they compete hard and they win puck battles and you just didn't see enough out of the Leafs, uh, stars yet on a consistent basis. And you know, it, it gets easier for them when there's multiple guys doing it constantly. And sure. it's just, there's a lack of consistency from, from one of their stars to another one, to another one. And it just, it just wasn't enough. So that and Freddie Anderson, interesting to see how this thing plays out. It's all, I, I, I don't see a, a scenario where um, it's a win-win. Um, I, I look at Freddie wants a new contract. He's going to play hard for one. If he gets off to a great start, he just prices himself out. And, you know, that means how many games you're going to give to, to Campbell. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know where it's going. Uh, it's like usually, Hey, you, you, you have a great year. You'll get rewarded. You get your big contract. Now it's, that may be the case, but you're going to have to go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. Kipper, do you we've talked a lot, Dark Guy and I a lot, and a lot of our friends that are Leaf fans, other analysts. Do you think Freddie is good enough to be the backbone of a Stanley Cup champion? I mean, this is a guy who I, I know he doesn't have a ton of playoff success yet in Toronto. He did go to a Western Conference final in 2015 under Bruce Boudreaux with Anaheim before they shipped him off before John Gibson kind of became the guy there. Um, lost in seven games in crushing fashion. I believe it was in double overtime. Um, so, like, he's been almost yeah, right he's, there. He's had his chances. For sure. Can, can he do it? Is he a good enough guy to be that guy to do it? Yeah, I, I like him. I do. And I think he's a very good goalie. And he's proven I do he's too. a very good goalie. Now, is there a little bit of a uh, a mental edge that he maybe lacks a little bit? I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to just completely write him off come playoff mm -hmm. time. Others do. I don't. Um, I've always looked at uh, that blue line the last two years and say, it's just not good enough. I'd like to see him under a blue line that can play together. Uh, they know their roles and, you know, there's, there's someone else besides maybe Muzzin that could, you know, play really hard or, or even intimidate or scare a few people in front of the net. Uh, I just haven't seen that. And, uh, you know, if Freddie at times has been frustrated because of his lack of support in front of the net, I, I wouldn't blame him one bit. I just like to see him under a, a better structure defensively uh, with a six-man unit that, that can really protect him. Then we'd really find out how good Freddie is. Well, and I think, I think part of the problem, too, is a lot of people will want to point the finger at Freddie because they haven't even won a playoff series yet. But 
you look at the play play round play in round series against Columbus this year. They got shut out twice. Yeah. Uh, Freddie not much run support. 44 save percentage in that play in round. Uh, he was phenomenal. Freddie Anderson wasn't the problem against Columbus this year, but no, uh, no. Kipper, I, I told you I'd only keep you for a half hour. So I, I don't, I don't want to go too far over the time limit here. Um, one question. And, and this is, this is one, I don't know if it's in the book or, or how, how many people know it about it. Were you, were you a biter when you were a kid? Is it true? <laughs> when you were a kid? Yeah. Um, uh... Yeah, I, I was. Um, and uh, yeah, my mom says uh, she had a tough time with me. <laughs> and babysitters. Yeah, I'm gonna have to write another book because there's a there was a there was an episode in uh, in Hershey uh, where uh, Tommy McVie, the great Tommy McVie, was coaching um, uh, Adirondack. No, not Adirondack. Maybe. Uh, um, Bing, Binghamton and, uh, uh, I got into a pile and, uh, I think it was, uh, James Richmond started gouging my eyes and I oh. just took the biggest chomp out of his hand I could take. <laughs> and Tommy went to the media after the game and said, uh, you know, he's, he needed to take Jamie uh, to the hospital for, uh, rabies shots. <laughs> well, Kipper, I want to I want to thank you so much for your time tonight. Uh, you know, you talked about players' generosity uh, when you were getting into uh, being an analyst and and the one on one time guys like Moose and and Gretz gave you. Uh, I've I've got that same feeling for you right now for for agreeing to come on the Smoke Show. Yeah, well, congratulations uh, on it. I love the title. I love the I, name. I, I thought it was pretty clever. Good. <laughs> Very book. clever. But you can find undrafted. Uh, yeah, any any major bookstore. You go online, uh, Simon Schuster, uh, any chapters, Amazon.com. Uh, anywhere you're going to buy a book, uh, you're going to find uh, undrafted. So hey, hold, hold, that, hold that up so we can get a nice look at the cover there. That's beauty. There and to the guys that were asking, uh, Indigo, where'd you say? At Bloor and? Uh, Young and Eglinton. Young and Eglinton, you might be able to find yourself a yeah. signed Yeah, you'll find a, you'll find a couple of signatures in there. I'll... Uh, be sure to check out all of his uh, Little Buddha cocktail line, LCBOs, all over Ontario. I got to be honest, Kipper, I, I haven't tried them, but I'm going to have to get out and get one. Oh, yeah, my Yeah, I gosh. want one. We got, we got, uh, we got uh, a peach tea coming out uh, in the spring, oh. so that'll be, that'll be two of them. So Maybe this we is collaborate on a all all organic, no sugar, gluten free, no preservatives, all natural, bud. Well, maybe I we love can it. collaborate on a dark guy cocktail. We can work on that. <laughs> we can work on that. <laughs> that'd be uh, all right. Uh, that'd be really little, exciting. Uh, the Kipper, dark, uh, dark guy. I Kipper, tell us a uh, check out Real Kipper Noon's online movement as well. Thank you, yes. guys. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kipper, uh, we really more? appreciate this. Were you going to ask me another question or? Yeah, I just had one last question for you, Kipper. And again, like Jason said, we're super appreciative of you doing yeah, this. Yeah, my pleasure. Best of luck with the book, the cocktails. I can't wait to read the book and drink cocktails while I read it. <laughs> and uh, the show is fantastic, by the way. I, I love the show. Good, uh, great thanks. job there as well. The studio looks sharp. Man. Yeah, we had, we um, had a lot of fun. I got my buddy, Doug McLean there. Um, he's as he's crusty the best. as ever. 
Yeah. He's awesome. <laughs> he loves it. Uh, it's great listening to him go on a rant. I just wanted to ask you quickly, Kipper. Uh, we, we barely touched on this. I mean, you played for the Leafs. What was that like for you to be able to play for that team, yeah. a, a team you grew up loving, obviously? And, you know, you mentioned earlier, a lot of guys don't get to go out on, your, uh, on their own terms. Obviously, that's part of your story and part of your book, that unfortunate incident um, in, in that fight in a preseason game, which was, you know, terrible. But looking back on being a Maple Leaf overall, yeah. what was that experience uh, like for you, buddy? Phenomenal, especially – you know, and one of the first chapters in my book is my dad taking me to Maple Leaf Gardens for the very first time and, you know, kind of compare it to uh, watching uh, that classic movie, Wizard of Oz, where everything's black and white and then poof, it's color, just color everywhere. And that's how I felt the moment I walked uh, towards the ice level of Maple Leaf Gardens. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to beg my parents for a Daryl Sittler jersey. Uh, there was a sports store called Doug Laurie at Maple Leaf Gardens, and they used to uh, have the, like the authentic kind of game jerseys. So my parents couldn't really afford one uh, early, but then finally I got one one Christmas, and I remember opening up the box and just seeing this jersey and then pulling it over my head for the very first time. And I had the exact same feeling when I did it for real when I got traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I went into Dallas that night to play the stars. And the moment I put that leaf Jersey over and I saw that crest, I'm like, is this thing from Doug Laurie's, you know, it's like, is it Christmas? <laughs> and it's like, snap out of it. You got to go play. <laughs> Incredible. Okay, well, man. You, you live, you live the dream of, of every, you know, Toronto native, everybody that ever grew up the Leafs and, uh, uh, it, it must have been fantastic. But again, Nick, thank you so yeah. much for your time. I, I appreciate it. Hey, congratulations on the show, too. You guys are going to do great. I appreciate thank you, buddy. that, Kipper. Okay, hey, guys, have a great Nick night. Caprios. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. There's our buddy, Nick Kiprios, and uh, we really appreciate him joining us here on the show. Like that was, uh, that was pretty incredible, man. And he was really gracious with his time. Um, you know, so many stories and obviously you're going to want to grab a copy of his book. Um, it's just incredible. The stuff that he went through, the, 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 the things he was able to achieve too, dark guy, just being undrafted, you know, it, it's a lot more of a common story now where you hear about the guys that were undrafted that make it, you think of guys like Marty St. Louis who, and Adam Oates, maybe the greatest undrafted player of all time, you know, and, and you think about those guys, but it's easy to forget that there were other guys that, you know, were role players, the grinders that really had to grit grind their way um, to being on an NHL roster. And Kipper's one of those dudes. And, you know, he was a lot of fun to watch as a player, but he's, he's even more fun as an analyst. Like he's been doing it for so long. He's so polished. Um, his new show's great, by the way, you got to check that out, get his book. I can't wait to read it. Um, just a gracious guy, humble, thankful for everything he's been able to achieve, but he worked hard, man. He worked really hard and it's a good lesson for anybody watching that. Hey, you know, if you're, if you're grinding away, maybe not even necessarily at hockey, you're just grinding away, trying to achieve something great. You know, you might have to take 50, a hundred no's, but you just need that one opportunity, but you're never going to get it if you don't keep grinding. And he's a great representation of that. Oh, absolutely. Especially to do it in a time when he did. And, you know, not taking anything away from 
uh, players that don't get drafted that still fight their way up now. Always an unbelievable story. But when, when you look at the time when he did it, there were so many less teams, so many less spots available for, for, at, for him to persevere and push his way through and, and say, you know what, I'm not giving up on this. Just because just I wasn't drafted doesn't mean this is the end. Uh, it, it, you know, for me, it holds a little more weight because there wasn't as many teams, there wasn't as many spots, not as many, as much opportunity, and, and, and he made it. And, you know, eight years, eight years as an NHL are, uh, is, is more than enough proof that somewhere along the way, the scouts got it wrong. Oh, for sure. And I mean, even with all of our technology now and being able to like look at stuff online and file away video reports on guys, like guys still get missed or even guys, you look at a number of guys that turned into star players that were late picks like one Henrik Lundqvist. Um, You think about guys like Pavel Datsuk, Henrik Zetterberg, those Red Wings players, six round picks. Like no one was paying attention to these guys. It's, it's not an exact science. It's, it's more now than it was in Kipper's day, but for him to achieve all that and, you know, be part of just an all time great cup celebration with those 94 Rangers. The one thing I definitely wanted to ask him that, you know, we we didn't have time and he, he gave us so much great content. Uh, and I've heard him talk about it before was playing with Alex Kovalev. I've heard him say on a number of different platforms that Alex Kovalev was bar none, the most talented player he ever played with. And I just, I just wanted to know like a little bit of what it was like to be around that guy. Cause when he was teammates with him and they won that cup together, he was a rookie Al- Alex Kovalev. Yeah. And he ended up turning into, you know, a very good NHL player, but he was just a guy that a lot of people didn't understand. He kind of played, you know, for teams that probably should have been better. Some of those Pittsburgh teams later on with, you know, with Montreal, he had some success. My God, what an unbelievably talented player. And he was really misunderstood and like a mercurial guy, kind of hard to figure out. Um, But if he felt like it, he could take a game over speed it up, slow it down. Uh, I just would have loved to have been able to ask him, hey, we could have him on again sometime. Ask him a little bit about what it was like to play with a guy like that that was just mysterious. He was a mysterious yeah. guy, Alex Kovalev. Well, I think, you know, you, you, you said the words perfectly when he felt like it. And I think that's yeah. one thing that's holding, you know, why Kovalev's name is, is overlooked or, or held back out of those conversations is because – he didn't always feel like it. And for the, no, he didn't <laughs> the, the amount of money that, that he was making uh, some years uh, to be a fan and, and watch him go out and, and just kind of go through the motion for four or five games uh, until he, you know, felt like playing one night. I think that's part of the reason why he's left out of those conversations of, you know, some of the better players to ever grace the NHL ice. Uh, if you want to talk about strictly talent level, then, yeah, the guy had the chops, that's for sure. I on honestly and and you know for the people out there that maybe like didn't watch him a ton, maybe some of our younger fans or or just guys that kind of yeah, wrote him off because of his perceived lack of effort. Um honestly, one of the top 5 most talented players I've ever watched play in the NHL. Like he would do stuff and 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 it would it would be a thing where like he almost liked playing keep away more than he liked to score a goal and he would do stuff three or four times in games that were just so 
silly that my friends and I, when we were kids on the backdoor rink, we would try and do the stuff he was doing and would fall down. Like he, he actually had a DVD. I bought it and I used to watch it, his training DVD where he would teach you stick handling drills. It was ridiculous. Like, look up highlights of this guy. One of the best ones, remember that marathon six overtime game between Philly and Pittsburgh way back? That, yeah. Keith, Primo, that Keith Primo ended finally after they ordered like 60 pizzas. Um, Kovalev was on Pittsburgh, and there's a great story about, you know, his teammates in like the fourth overtime being like, Kovi, you're the best player on the ice. Please, God, end this. And Kovalev goes out and walks the entire Philly team. He walks everybody and rings it off the crossbar, and then he didn't do anything else. Like, if he felt like it, he could make guys look absolutely stupid, and I think part of him relished more in that than producing points. If he felt like it, he could have won a couple scoring titles. Yeah. For sure. Well, and that was one of the things that kind of – I wanted to ask Kipper too, but – I'm sure he's talked about it a million times. I, I heard him talk about it on the air multiple times is when we were talking about the Leafs and, and I'm going to, I'm going to preempt this right now. I am not comparing the two. Uh, okay. Joe Thornton is not at the same level. Moose was back then, but no, guarantee no. The, the leadership value that Mark Messier brought to that dressing room, the 1994 guarantee when he said, we're going to win this game. And he came out potted what was it a hat trick or four goals he had he had four i believe he had an empty netter yeah all-time great performance i i kind of wanted to get into it a little bit with him about that but he made the one comment saying you know the the cup's not one in the room and i and i found that very very odd for a former player especially somebody who who played with mark messi who was on the team that you know the guarantee they went on to win the cup I, I kind of see Joe Thornton being able to to be a little bit more of that leadership presence in the room, and and I kind of wanted to get into it in that book because you know we again we touched on this last year. I just I I don't think what what the value in Joe Thornton isn't going to be in the ten goals and and thirty five assists that he might he might pot next year uh, if he God willing and stays healthy. Mm-hmm. it's kind of what he's going to be able to bring into the room for that, that group of young guys that I think, and again, like I said, I don't think Patrick Marlowe kind of brought that as much. And, and again, preempting, I'm not, I'm not comparing Joe Thornton to 1994 Mark Messier. I just think yeah. there's similarities in that leadership process. Yeah. I, so I think that he, like, I don't think Nick is necessarily saying that, you know, part of winning a cup is 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 the dressing room sure i i think he was just like more being very literal about saying you have to go out on the ice and do it like i think what he meant i think what he kind of more meant was um you can say all the right things and get everybody fired up and crank acdc in the dressing room and get all psyched and then go out on the ice and lay an egg yeah like and that's the thing, right? And we kind of touched on this last week, like the difference between, you know, certain leadership styles, like Patrick Marlowe versus Joe Thornton, or, or like you want to bring up guys, you know, like Joe Sackick or Steve Eiserman almost never said anything to anybody. Scott Stevens, same, same way, like stoic, quiet. I don't 
I don't need to say anything in the room. Um, my teammates know that I'm, I'm upset with the performance. I'm this, I'm that. I'm going to go out and I'm going to level a guy, uh, particularly if you're Scott Stevens, and, and get guys going that way. Like, you know, there has to be a mix I think like there, you know, at, in, in any sport, there's, there's the guys that are the quiet leaders, quote unquote, that just kind of go about it the right way. They're, 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 they're not talkative, but their actions are loud and they go out on the ice, the football field, the soccer pitch, the court, and they just get it done. And no one asks questions about those guys. And then you need a mix of the guys that are a little loud and keep it loose and, and, you know, allow guys to kind of have fun as part of the struggle of getting there. Right. Like I think back to when the caps won in 2018 and, and finally relieved years of torture for myself, not 53, but you know, for the caps, it was 44. I mean, it, it was a good long, you know, I can't even call it a drought. It was their first cup. But I think back to that and watching TJ Oshie goofing off with John Carlson and Oshie and Wilson doing that butt slap thing with their sticks on the ice. Like there's those guys. And then there was Ovi who was just loud on the ice. He like, he didn't say anything. He was partying and, and whooping it up whenever they beat a team and, and moved on. But he just went out and did his thing. There's got to be a mix. There's, I, again, I'll say it. I definitely believe there's value to adding a guy like Joe Thornton to the room. What he brings to the ice at 41, we'll see. But at the end of the day, I think Kipper just kind of meant, and I agree with him, that you can add Wayne Simmons and, and get a guy to punch people in the face. You can add Zach Bogosian. You can do, you can do all these things. At the end of the day, the guys that are eating up 22, 24 minutes – the Matthews, the Marners, the Nylanders, you're going to win because those guys are great. And that's what has to happen. Well, you know, a lot of compare, we always compare the the two teams. And um, I think for people that might not watch Alex Ovechkin as much, or or maybe don't have as much exposure to him, what what I Mm -hmm. think gets lost in, in Ovi's game is, He's not just a goal scorer. Like the, the physicality that Ovechkin oh. plays with, uh, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He fights for his his team. And I don't mean that literally as in dropping the gloves, but we're talking about a guy scoring, you know, 50 goals a year and finishing seasons with 350 hits under his belt. Like yeah. th- this guy, this guy was, is the heart and soul of that team. And when you talk about leadership, that's going to get you through the playoffs you know, that's, that's kind of what it likens to. And I, until this very moment, uh, you know, I, I, I never, I never really made the comparison or I never connected it, but you know, when, when I look at, at, at Ovi's game, he's probably minus the actual fighting. One of the closer things to a, a Wendell Clark today's game has, because he just goes out and hammers people and he can put the puck in the net. Yeah. It's, it's a good comparison. I mean, obviously, Ovi is – Well, you know, and he's he has dropped the gloves a couple times, which has not worked out well for yeah. the people that tried it. <laughs> they weren't overly impressive, but – No, I mean, yeah, he he's a bear. Like, you don't – that's why I think a lot of guys don't fight him is, well, A, I mean, nowadays you've got Tom Wilson Tom out Wilson. there. And then, well, and B, he's a bear. 
He's a 235-pound freak that's just built like a brick. Like He's probably going laugh, to laugh if you punch him anyway. A thousand percent. And, and he – yeah, you're right. And, and, like, here's the thing about a guy like that, right, is, like, you know, for all the years of saying he doesn't try, he doesn't work hard, yes, he did. He was always working hard. He wanted so badly to win the passion after scoring goals, like the guy cares and always has. It's just that he needed to learn to be able to use his teammates a little bit more. And, you know, of course that's incumbent on nowadays. If you look at your situation with Kyle Dubas, it's incumbent upon the general manager to make sure that there's a well-balanced roster around the guy. You don't win Stanley cups by yourself. You just don't. Sidney Crosby has Evgeny Malkin. And you look down at the role players on the last two cups they won. Patrick Hornquist was such a pest. I can tell you from watching them play Washington and beat them two years in a row. Hated him. Can't yeah. stand him. Love him on your team. Um, yeah, and you look across. Role players too. Absolutely. And Nick Bonino. Guys like that. And, and Toronto needs more of that, sure. It's just that – and again, for the Leafs to win, their best players have to be their best players. And that doesn't mean that Austin Matthews has to get 45, 50 goals and have 350 hits like Ovi. He's not Ovi. He's Austin Matthews. He's a different player. But And Kipper talked about it and Biz talked about it last week. Boy, we've had two great guests right out of the gate. We love that you tune into the Smoke Show, and we're going to keep it going for you. But back to my point, we don't need Austin Matthews to – have, you know, 10 hits a game and score two goals like what Ovi does. But you need those guys to fight for their ice. Austin Matthews in the playoffs, you know, he started to turn it up a little bit. I, I actually thought, I thought he was the Leafs' best player by a country mile. A country mile. And um, it's just him and Marner and Nylander and those star players, Tavares to a degree as well, uh, not to a degree for sure. He's making $11 million. Um, it's about, it's just those little things of, of getting in your opponent's face, not necessarily with a big hit or a fight, but just going, you're not pushing me around tonight. I'm here and I'm going to fight for this part of the ice. When, when the goalie makes a stop through a screen and the whistle goes and there's a little pushing match, return the cross check. Give the guy a little whack. Let that defenseman that's bigger than you know, I'm not going anywhere. You're not intimidating me. And I just feel like with guys like Marner and Nylander sometimes, maybe to a lesser degree, Matthews and Tavares, it's not in their game to kind of get nasty. And that's what's going to have to change. Again, I'm not expecting Austin Matthews to start railroading people, Mitch Marner, any of them. Like, don't change the player you are, but just it's a change in that attitude on the ice where it's kind of just a middle finger to your opponent. Like, you're not pushing me around tonight, and I'm going to be here every time the puck's within a foot of you. Like, it's just that little bit of gumption, you know? Yeah, I've said it before there. I think, I think you know, the, the minute the – minute... Uh, 23-year-old Austin Matthews realizes he's six feet tall, 220 pounds, yeah. and, and starts to get uh, some of the quote-unquote man strength uh, developing. The minute he realizes he has that, uh, he's going to be a force. But yeah, like you said, we've had two amazing guests to kick off the smoke show, uh, coming with heat and fire right away. Nick Kiprios, 
for all the accolades we gave him, I got I got to mention that he was an OJHL graduate play, playing for the Dixie Beehives. That's uh, right. The 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 league for that my Collingwood Colts reside in, Ontario Junior Hockey League, the league of choice. Uh, I got to take a second to to toot our own our our own tires and and pump the Collingwood Blues. We actually made an appearance on the NHL Network tonight. That's right. We had one of our forwards, uh, former former Barry Colts draft pick, Peyton Shaley, pull off the Michigan uh, in an exhibition game Friday night against the Lindsey Muskies. I was promoting it all over social media. You probably got sick of seeing me retweet it, but <laughs> I think it worked. I think it worked because we landed on the NHL Network tonight. Uh, Peyton's Michigan lacrosse-style goal, it was a beauty, so – uh, I'm pretty jacked about that. And if I didn't say something, I was going to like log back on and, and, and start the show over. Cause I had to bring it up. No, you should dude. And, and an incredible goal. The Michigan is all the rage now. Right. I mean, and what an incredible goal to pull off for that young man, really cool stuff. And, uh, again, dude, you gotta, you gotta send me one of those hats, the Collingwood blues logo, the hats, man, those are nice. You, you got hook me up, brother. Hook me up with one of those hats. God, that's a good-looking bucket. I love it. I, no, I yeah, think, plug I him. think we can do that. I think we can do that. But the, you know what? When, when you look at pulling that goal off, it's, it's not easy to do any time. And no. I'm going to give Peyton Shaley a lot of credit because this is a kid that, that would go on the ice early or stay a little bit later after practice just to work on this move. He wanted to pull it off so bad in a game that, you know, he, he just worked on it, worked on it, worked on it. And he was able to do this in his first game after not playing competitive hockey since March. Like that's, that's impressive. And that just goes to show how much work these kids put in these days to, you know, hone their craft and chase their dreams. Like first game back after being off for since March. And that's what you do in a game. Uh, disgusting. Kids got great hands. Uh, when he when when he's out there and and he's uh, he can drive the play he can find the put the puck in the net great teammate great kid love having him out in Collingwood. Yeah, it's impressive stuff. I saw Sirius XM NHL uh, tweeted it as well. So oh, we uh, got Sirius on it too. Yes, I saw it before we logged on. So uh, it's getting plenty of love. I mean, any you pull off the Michigan at any level, let alone Junior A, uh, you're going to get some attention. So it's great for him, and it's it's great for the team as well, and and the league really. I mean, a lot of high skill. Uh, it's an incredibly good league, and like you mentioned, Mr. Kiprios among many other NHL players uh, have come through the OJ. So uh, yeah, it's it's great exposure for sure. Oh, the buddy. list is long and illustrious, and uh, sooner or later. The OJ will have a claim to fame that uh, Toronto Maple Leaf scout Jason Maslico, uh, former OJHL scout, uh, came through there as well. <laughs> I hope so, man. That would be a pretty cool thing for sure. Oh uh, well, we promised you a weekly segment with with our with our brother from another mother, Todd Shapiro. I think we've settled on Hot Toddy's hot takes. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, CEO of Red Light Holland. Todd Shapiro, coming to you from the Great White Boys. North, although it's not really White North right now. It's gorgeous, like 20 degrees up there. But Todd Shapiro, welcome back to the Smoke Show with Dark Eye and Drury. Dude, speaking of Smoke Show, check this out. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm a little jealous oh, yeah. of sitting around a fire right now. <laughs> yeah, with my boys, Stefan, James, Andy, Carly. 
You kidding me right now? Oh, Are you kidding me? Fantastic. 21 degrees, November. Yeah, buddy. What, what's up? Why, why aren't you here? Well, I was up that way on the weekend. I don't know if you saw my social media, but I went for a little bit of a plunge on, on Saturday. So it was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, you went full polar bear. What's man. up, Roy? How you doing? I'm yeah. doing well, buddy. Like uh, we're excited for another edition of Hot Toddy's Hot Takes. Real hot tonight by the fire, too, man. Uh, how are things? How are buddy, things? The smoke show. You, dude, are you kidding me right now? It's the smoke show. It's Hot Toddy's Hot Takes. I'm actually burning right now. It's crazy. I'm actually on fire, boys. <laughs> but listen, this I is love the it. Deal. I no, no, my legs on fire. We need to call uh, Fire Marshal Bill. And have you seen SNL? Have you seen Jim Carrey do Biden? What do you think? What do you think? Do you like it? I thought it was hilarious, personally. I thought it was one of the best SNLs of the last five or six years. I thought it was great. Beauty. Dark guy? Jim Carrey's, you know, he's fantastic. And I think, I think he gets, uh, doesn't get as much love for, for the impressions he can pull off as well. You know, he's always been that quirky, kind of goofy comedy. He's had the facial expressions. But he's actually a pretty good impressionist from what I've seen over the years. Yeah, he's nailing it. Except it reminds me of Fire Marshal Bill. Every time I look at Joe Biden, I'm like, is that Fire Marshal Bill? Like, I'm like, I can't. That's what I think. That's the issue now. I can't take him seriously as a potential new president here. Anyway, yeah, boys, I got a hot Toddy's hot take. You ready for it? We're ready for it. Give it to me, man. That's why we're here, Toddy. Give it to me. Give it to us. All right. So I know we're talking hockey, and I know it's weird to talk hockey because there's no hockey when there's normally hockey. Although the weather doesn't really dictate that there should be hockey right now anyway. So it kind of makes sense. There's no hockey. But we miss hockey, if you know what I'm saying. My point being is this. And I've been watching this little, like, uh, series going on right now. But Alexander Ovechkin, uh, one of my favorite players, a guy I've been fortunate enough to party with through my relationship with a guy named Joel Ward, one of the nicest guys in the world. And my hot toddy hot take of the week is he is going to break Wayne Gretzky's goal record. Oh, oh I said oh. it. I said it. Oh, my God. That's hot. I'm going to throw my phone in the fire. It's so hot, boys. <laughs> you should. You should throw your phone in the fire. It would be great television. No, that it's so – man, I don't know what happened, and this was not intentional. This turned into, like – Ovechkin episode I, I don't know what happened we had a big discussion with him earlier we chatted with uh, about Ovi with Nick Caprios a little bit as well like it's just Ovi central here look at this look at this it's Ovi unreal central. you know this is the thing I'm married to a Russian woman okay so I know Ooh. the toughness of Russian people like no other like I'm that involved with Russians people don't realize you know this isn't just about Ovi and about how great he is and has athleticism it's about his duration. This mofo is going to play the game until he's 55 until he breaks that record. You think, no, that's what's going to happen. You know, you, he'll have one leg, he'll still score goals. This guy is a machine. Have you ever watched him? I, you know, I, I'm telling you, one of my greatest sports moments of all time is purely listening to the way he skates. It's like the Terminator, Terminator on ice. And, and he won't give up until he does it because, you know what, he, he showed everybody he can win a cup. We saw him celebrating in a pond, so that cemented that. And we're going to – oh, look at the fire going right now. It's like the Russian gods are speaking. Ovi is going to break – well, I'm on – I actually uh, – anyway, listen. So, you know, he's going to get uh, a lot of goals, a lot of goals. Well, look, the great, the great thing about uh, a hot toddy hot take is they're, they're usually pretty, pretty entertaining, and, and in tonight's case, it's wrong. 
Oh, dark guy. What do you want to so bet? We will not break Wayne Gretzky's goal record. Um, you, we, we were actually talking about this a little bit earlier. Given, given the amount of games he's lost over the last couple seasons, you can count in lockouts, count in the COVID shortage of games. It's going to be a mm. shortened season again this year. Uh, the fact that Ovi wants to, you know, end his career back home in Russia – uh, I just don't see it. Like a, a couple of years ago, he needed he needed to finish out seven straight years with like 35 goals every year to just tie it. And you know what? He's had he's kept pace with with some big big numbers over the last couple of years. But I just think between all the games he's lost, uh, the fact that sooner or later he's not going to be able to score 50 in a season anymore, uh, you know. I, just, you know, I think I think the clock's against him, especially when he's uh, talking about wanting to go home for the last couple of years of his career. This is the problem, Jay. You haven't seen him late night uh, during the Christmas break in short shorts. Like, <laughs> you haven't seen the legs on this guy. Like you don't know, <laughs> you don't know what he could accomplish. I mean, it's going. He will. At this point, he won the cup. He, he, you know, he will prove to the world that he is the greatest goal scorer of all time. And by the way, I love Wayne Gretzky. Who doesn't love Wayne Gretzky? Uh, and, and the neat thing about Ovi is he did it. He did it in a day and age where it was a lot harder to do it. So I'm saying he'll play for uh, as many seasons as it takes to get it. And that's my hot toddy hot take. And I ain't backing down from it. And you know, uh, I'm telling you, if he has to inject some steroids to get it done, he'll find a way to do that too. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, he could do that, I suppose, but I don't think he will. I love it. I, I like it's it like all throughout his career, like people have said, if anybody could do it, it's him. But and so some people might go, oh, it's not that hot of a take, but it is a hot take because of all the things you said, Jason, and what we talked about before, like. Look at the games he's lost now. I just want to say this. He's he's only missed eight games for personal slash injury reasons. He missed four games because of injury, and he missed four games when his grandfather died. Yeah, like, this guy doesn't games, get hurt. And you know how many games he played with broken bones and pulled hamstrings and stuff? 300. Yeah. He's Russian. Uh, Again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's on the Russian gas, buddy. They don't know what to no, complain. They're the toughest mofos on the planet. I know that firsthand. Yeah. He's breaking the goal record, Jay. You know, we think Canadians are tough. Nah, -uh. this guy, he's going to, he's going to do it. You'll see. Listen, I, I, I got, I got a Ukrainian background. I got some Russian blood in me as well. And, uh, I don't know. I'm yeah, just, you do. He ain't doing it. Okay. It's, <laughs> I love it. It's just one of those things too, right? Where it, it would be such a good story, but you know, for me, and and I love Gretzky too. Who doesn't love the great one? Like he's got sixty-one NHL records. But I said it before when when Kipper first jumped on. For me, and you mentioned it already, just the era he's done it in, Todd. For me, if he retired today, he'd be the 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 greatest goal scorer of all time. Now that's probably a hot take for some people because you look at guys like Brett Hull is in that conversation a million percent. Gordy Howe is in that conversation, of course. Maurice Richard, all the all the greats from years gone by. He's already the best goal scorer. He has lorded over leading the league in goals amongst his peers more than any other goal scorer in history. The only guy that's behind him is Phil Esposito. Phil Esposito led the league in goals eight times. Ovi's done it nine times. Actually, he's done it ten times now, and he's only trailing Bossy and Gretzky, who led the league in goals 
12 times. Wow. But the era he's done that in, he has been a better goal scorer than all of his peers. All of them. Yeah, his you know why? Your career. Ryan, you know why? You know the main reason why? And this is the factor people don't weigh. Why he is so good. You're not even going to guess what I'm about to say. Take one guess. Why is he the other than what you just said? Why is he he's the greatest Russian. goal? Why is that? No, one <laughs> other factor. He's Russian. One, uh, Jay, Jay, I'll tell you, Jay and Ryan and everyone listening right now, people don't realize that the goal scorers you just compared them to, they didn't have bottle service at clubs in the days. This guy has done it with bottle service at clubs. Yeah, it's incredible, man. That. So you're saying, are you saying Ovi plays hungover and still scores, but that's why he gets, gets he's the great scorer. Dude, I'm saying that no one has partied like the new day and age of the NHLers. They're celebrities beyond hockey players. In the day, they were just hockey players. They didn't have social media to worry about. They didn't have the distractions like they have today. He has done this with bottle club service, uh, service <laughs> and, and bottles and bottles and, and you name it and famous celebrity dating and all this kind of stuff. Forget about it. Ovi all the way. He's going to be the greatest goal scorer of all time. Boys, I got to run. I got a fire to add to. Okay. I love hot it, dude. Hot. I appreciate you coming for hot toddies, hot takes, but all right, I, Carly, I got, I got one, one hot Steph take for you before you go. What, what's that? I got one hot take before you, for you before. Oh. I was in the water on Saturday. My hot take is I bet you won't go in the water tonight. You know what? This is the issue. I don't know if this is a PG program, but I already have a tiny one. I don't want it to be any smaller right now. I got to run. Okay. Pool. I was in the pool. <laughs> we appreciate your honesty, Todd. <laughs> later, later, boys. Yeah, see you, buddy. Buddy. Tiny pecker. Okay, see you, boys. Thanks okay. for joining us, brother. <laughs> Cheers. Okay. Incredible, eh? Todd. He's just uh, – he's something, you know. Oh, I was, what a I was character. Even, obviously, he's enjoying his night with some friends around the fire, so I'm glad he was able to uh, carve out some time for us. I was going to ask him about, you know, uh, again, a little bit about his, his, his business there because he had some big windfalls uh, yes. on yes. the balance last, uh, last week. So I was going to get into that with him a little bit, but I totally get it. If um, I'm sitting around with a, a few pops around a nice fire, I don't want to be on my phone talking either. So. I absolutely agree, buddy. Here, here's, here's the crazy thing. My last bit about, about Ovi and, and the record. Record's 894. Ovi's sitting at 706. So he's, one, so he's 102 goals shot. No, he's 98 goals shy? No. He's 198 goals yeah. shy. Whatever. My math is so bad, dude. Um, he's 192 shy. Yeah. That's what it is. Sure. So 706, let's consider that his, what would have been his rookie season was taken by the 05 lockout. Yeah. So in his rookie year, when he was 20, he scored 52 goals. Let's just assume that if he had a plate as a 19-year-old, he got 50. Let's just say he got 50. I'm comfortable giving him 50. Um, so that would put him at 756. He lost 15 games this year. Let's give him another five goals, 761. And then he lost just shy of half a year in the lockout short in 2012-13 season. Let's give him 25. So now he sit. that would put him at 7, 786, give or take which would put him 98 shy of the record. 
98's not that many over three or four years if you score 30, 35. No, but I mean, you can do that. You got another 50. You can do that for Gretzky too. What what happens if Gary cross-check him from behind uh, and basically ruin, you know, yes. the last later stages of his career? Okay, but I mean, let's be honest here. Gretz would still hold the record. That injury happened well after he had passed Gordie Howe at 802. How much, how much more could he have potentially had? I don't know, 20 or 30? Like, I don't know. And Wayne retired when he was 38, right? Like, I mean, he was, he was done. And, and after a lot of games, think about all the playoff games he played, right? Like, he was worn out. Um, Ovi has not shown yet that he's worn out. Of course it will happen. If, if Father Time is undefeated, even for Tom Brady as we've seen, but it is a shame a little bit. Cause ultimately I don't think he'll do it unless miraculously he scores 50 for four straight years could happen. I mean, Joe Sackick has the record for the oldest 100 point season. And he was 38 when he did it with the abs, he had a 100 point, I think on the nose, he had a hundred points uh, when he was 38. So, you know, with good health, Star players of this ilk can continue to put up big numbers into their late 30s. Can he do it? Does he want to do it? Like, losing all those games that we just talked about is a daunting task. It was a daunting task already. You lose those games, it's going to take, like, another 200-ish goals to break it. It's tough, but for me, he's already the best goal scorer. I mean, you look at the average save percentage when Gretz was was playing, and that's not a disrespect to Gretz. He, he scored on what was in front of him. But it's inarguable that it is harder to score on goalies now than it was back then. And if you look at the most goals he scored, he scored the most career goals against now teammate Henrik Lundqvist, pretty good goaltender, and I believe Carey Price is second. He has scored a ton against the best. He scored a lot against Tuka Rask as well. So for me, he's already the best. That's a debate for, for forever. I just love the guy so much. Ovi's, Ovi's the man. Well, I guess on that note, we'll, we'll wrap it up from this uh, Gretzky love <laughs> yeah. where the smoke show firmly believes that Ovechkin will never break Gretzky's record. I think half of the smoke show. You heard half on, of the smoke show. You just heard on record Ryan Drury, Washington Capital fan, says he does not believe Ovi can do it. <laughs> I believe he can. I believe he can do it. It's just, it's so hard. It's so hard. Listen, folks. But that, that was season. That was episode two, the smoke show. Nick Kiprios. Be sure to check out his book, Undrafted. Simon Schuster across every major bookstore across the country. Uh, I can't remember. He said young, young and young and Eglinton Indigo. If you want uh, an autographed copy, you can probably find one there. Be sure to check out uh, Real Kipper at noon on the line movement. What else did he got? He's got a little Buddha cocktail. And I even forgot, again, he's a director of hockey ops for a company called 3i Interactive, which is an online gaming platform as well. Man, I got to get better at this interview stuff. <laughs> well to be fair he's a very busy guy he's doing a lot of interesting things and he was such a great guest uh check out kipper stuff his book his show his cocktails i mean he was awesome with us man it's been so fun two episodes down and 
so many more to go. We're going to have a lot of fun here. A huge, a huge thank you to uh, the Dry County Band with their opening song for our credits. Uh, hey, hey, cheers. They abs- they're absolutely fantastic. Check them out on every, every major streaming platform, Spotify, app, iTunes, you name it. And one last thing, huge thank you to our producer, Matt, behind the scenes, making sure we always uh, look so, so awesome here, sound so good. And don't forget to get your copies. Please, people, uh, to all those that have served and are still serving today who, who allow us the freedoms in our great country, show your support, show your remembrance. Go make sure you get your poppies for Remembrance Day, November 11th. And from everybody here at the Smoke Show, have a great day. And until next week, just remember, where there's smoke, there's fire. There's fire. This has been an FHN production. Listen to our new shows every week on Thursday on any podcast platform. Also, check out our live shows on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Twitch.